Josh Pollard. I'm Joe D'Astasio. And this is Story Players, the podcast that analyzes story-driven video games. And this is the fifth episode of our Mass Effect Andromeda series. This week, we're taking a little bit of a break from what we've been doing. Previously, we've focused almost entirely on the main quest of the game, trying to settle this whole new galaxy. But this time, we're going to dig a lot more into the side quest. There's things like uh, helping to further settle some of the planets. There's helping out some of our crewmates, what we've called in previous Mass Effect games, loyalty missions. We did some of those this time, and we're going to cover all of that. We did, we aren't going to do anything with regard to chasing after the Archon. Yeah, the, hunting hunting the Archon is the next uh, Priority Ops mission, right? and we're not going to touch that. Correct. So instead, we focused most of our efforts on a little bit of crew stuff, which did involved a little bit of stuff on the Nexus, but mostly a whole bunch of stuff on Vold, where the Angaran people are, and... Havarl? Am mm-hmm. I saying it right? Yeah, Havarl. <laughs> uh, which we come to find out is where the Angaran people came from. Their homeworld. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, first off, before we get into the specifics and everything, it seems weird to me that in a game that is all about going to a new galaxy and setting up planets to live on, that the act of setting up planets to live on is essentially side quest. I am so glad you brought this up <laughs> because I had the same thought. That's the whole, like the whole point is we're finding a new home out here in the, in, in Andromeda, in Andromeda. How is it that setting up outposts is a side mission? It's not even part of the main quest, right? I get the impression that we could play. Th- we could have just went on to Archon and followed through most of the rest of the priority ops missions without setting up outpost on either of these planets finish the game and so you've, you've i assume now there's assumptions about the end of the game but i assume that you take care of this cat threat right and that's the main story but that's not the premise of the game no <laughs> no it's not but maybe that maybe their thought was it wouldn't be as good of a game i don't know we'll 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 cover that later probably in our last episode but it does seem a little weird yeah. it's definitely a little oh, agree- weird agreed yeah so we, we're going to start off with uh, touching base on where we are with the Ryder Family Secrets side quest. This is the one where we're trying to recover our father's memories and figure out you know, more of our dad's history because we didn't know our dad all that well in this game. No, this is, uh, and it's not so much that we're recovering his memories like they're lost. He's intentionally hidden these things from us. On planets he's never been to. On, and so to unlock these <laughs> memories, we have to find these shiny memory things uh yeah on these planets he's never visited um but I, I it sounds like both of us were able to find enough of these during our our play session here that we were able to unlock the next few cutscenes that are or the memories and then also a few um audio logs right so the first one i i saw was it's a scene between your father and mother and they're talking in a lab and it seems that they're doing some early work on sam the the ai implant mm-hmm. and it seems like your father is, he's trying to, he, he thinks that by developing this implant and testing it on his wife, that in some way this is going to help cure her. Right. I'm not quite sure if I understand nope. how that works, but uh, that seems to be his motivation. But your mother, on the other hand, is like, don't, just don't worry about it. You know what? I accept my fate. Y- you're, you're not N7 anymore. Your father was at the like, top ranks of like, the best of the best uh, soldier. And it's this work on AI that got him kicked out of that program. I don't want you doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, don't worry about me. But your father, being someone who hasn't been around too much for his kids, you and your you and your sibling, it seems to be he's motivated by not wanting them to grow up without either parent being orphans, basically. Right, right. And this marriage does seem like they are uniquely qualified to attempt to do what he's trying to do because... Alec Ryder is the man behind Sam and all of this really super advanced AI stuff. And uh, Ellen, his wife, like all of her research is in biotic implants. So it sounds like a great idea. It's a great partnership. As we know, it it doesn't work out because she's dead. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Now, the next one, I can't remember if it was an actual cutscene, a memory, or if it was just uh, an audio log. Do you recall? Uh, where, Where we find out that Ellen's 
Ellen's work on biotics is what caused her disease. I think she says it in that cutscene. Oh, so okay, maybe this was just another point that I wanted yeah. to I wanted to make that it's just one of those ironies, right? Right. It's, it's your work that's causing uh that caused you to get this contract this disease, whatever it is. I'm not quite sure the nature of it. Mm. And then you're hoping that same ability or that same work is you're hoping to save to save you. Yeah. This next one I find a little difficult to talk about because it, it involves Quarians, who are an alien species that we haven't seen in this game yet. So right. you have to be familiar with the the older games to know their history. But basically, they were an alien species that had developed their own AI that they called the Geth. And these were these, you know, robot things, but they had a consciousness. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I believe they were the like the main bad guys that you're shooting in the first game. You're yeah. always shooting these Geth. Yep. So this this dialogue or this uh, audio log is with some Quarian historian and he's just talking about how how their people reacted to the Geth. Eventually it led to them banning AI. So I'm guessing the reason that they're show, they're telling us this is is this previous experience with developing AI and how that didn't go so well. And that's why <laughs> right. it seems like galaxy wide the whole concept of AI people should not be working on this. Mm-hmm. Just out of those fears. Well, they they also mentioned that at one point the Geth asked if they had a soul, and then which is you know, it, it it's a really odd question for AI to ask because it it really presumes an, an even higher level of understanding than one might ever expect uh, an artificially created being to be able to ask. But this this led to the Geth resenting the the Corians, their their creators. And led to a war and eventually led to them being the bad guys in the first game, like I said, in the original Mass Effect. So, uh, yeah, it is really interesting and it probably does help to show why Alex's work on AI got him kicked out of N7 when N7 is like, are you kidding me? You're working on AI? We're fighting a war against (laughs) AI. Probably not a smart idea. Do you think that they're hinting at a possible issue with Sam? Like there's a lot of warning signs here that mm-hmm. you're trusting a lot into this AI that is embedded in your brain remotely anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, is this, is this possibly hinting at future problems? You know, it seems like in most of the mass effect games, they've hinted at AI potentially being a problem that the AI that you're using is going to turn against you and it's going to be bad. And that's not really spoilers, but I mean, we've had multiple conversations, you and I, while playing the previous games of, uh-oh, I know this is going to turn bad for us, and then it never really does. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel about a lot of these side missions, mm-hmm. just by the very nature that they're optional. Right. Means that a lot of them are just, they're not very satisfying, and even the ones that do appear to be like, ooh, I wonder what's going to happen, <laughs> probably is going to turn out to be nothing. Right. So it's kind of demotivating. I almost just want to just go on to the next, you know, priority ops and just be done with this. Hmm. But I couldn't just skip reactivating these, these, uh, the vaults. vaults. Yeah. I, that's it's like, the whole point <laughs> to being here. So I had to do those. But before we get to that, though, there was one more audio log that I heard from the shadow broker, the mysterious shadow broker, who we know from the previous games now is, um, Liara, who was mm-hmm. one of your, uh, crewmates in the previous games. And she's just talking about in a very distorted, (laughs) I can get you what you want kind of thing. Right. And she said, I can get you what you want, but if it's AI stuff, the price is doubled. Meaning (laughs) the stuff is really dangerous, really shouldn't be out there. Um, But not only that, she doesn't really give (laughs) Alec a chance to back down. She kind of threatens him saying, don't even try backing down now because there will be consequences. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, there's no turning back now. All right, so that's it for all of the memories stuff that we've found so far scattered across these planets. I'm sure we'll find more in future missions. I'd like to find more, even yeah. even if they don't really have a, a a big effect on the on the long term story. It's nice to have this this uh, background story with with Alec. Yeah, definitely. You you want to know your character's history as much as you can. Yeah, and and this is how we're learning that. One area of of these side quests that I wanted to do but there wasn't anything to do was what the crap is going on with my sibling. Oh yeah. I went back. Did you go, did you try to go back? I didn't go back because there wasn't anything in my journal for it. I didn't care. I went back anyway <laughs> and there was nothing to do. Yeah, exactly. Like it, 
is this sibling going to be down the entire rest of the game? He's got to come back at some point. He or she, depending on who you are. But yeah, they've got to eventually. Yeah, I, there's got to be something to this. Yeah, I was disappointed in that. All right, so now we're traveling to Vold, and Vold is the icy world. I definitely wanted to do this mission because I really hate this world. It's so cold. <laughs> it's it's another one of those worlds like Eos that has the, this environmental hazard that as you're just walking around, you've got this meter constantly warning you that mm-hmm. if you don't find shelter soon, you're going to die. Right. Which limits your exploration. It's just annoying. So, it limits it a lot because it only regenerates so much from getting back into the nomad. And I'm not even sure if it does. I think it just slows it down a little bit. Right. So I don't. Well, even it does think recharge it, it some. Does it? Like, but it it seemed like after about an hour of of gameplay, like I had to get back to an actual base, yeah, to fully regenerate. Or, I didn't really understand it. I was just more annoyed by it. Yeah. So I wanted if we were going to explore this planet some more, I wanted to fix this up. So uh, the first side mission here is called restoring a world, and that is activating the planet's vault. And this this plays just like activating the vault on eos where you have to find the three remnant monoliths activate them find the entrance to the vault fight around in there a little bit maybe solve a puzzle and then uh escape and then it's activated so find you get so you basically have to find each monolith scan the glyphs mm-hmm. and play sudoku yep do you have anything to say about <sighs> this sudoku? i'm so tired of sudoku i at the first monolith in this one i started working on it and because I mean, I like Sudoku as much as the next guy, I guess. I haven't played it in years, but I used to play it fairly (laughs) regularly. It's fine. It's not what I want in Mass Effect, though. And, you know, spent a few minutes trying to solve one, messed it up, had to do it again, and just decided I'm done with Alien Sudoku. I don't need Space Sudoku in my life. (laughs) I really don't need it in Mass Effect. And just looked up, it might have been an IGN article Mm -hmm. on, here's all of the Sudoku puzzles solved for you. Thank you. So I don't need to waste my time on this anymore. I had a similar reaction of, I like Sudoku. I don't want to play Sudoku right now. This seems like a huge roadblock in, in my progress of playing this RPG. And so I finally just said, you know what? There's got to be a better way of doing this instead of practically randomly guessing. And so I finally just sat down and thought about it for, you know, 30 seconds and thought, okay, mm-hmm. I've got a technique now. Yeah. And so I, I actually, I didn't necessarily enjoy the remaining puzzles, <laughs> but I didn't see them as this, as this huge annoyance. I didn't get that frustrated. I actually got more frustrated trying to find some of these glyphs because yes. one of the monoliths, you use your scanner to follow this yellow wire. Mm-hmm. And in one of them, the glyphs are above the, like you had gone down into this cave to go to, to the console. And then they're telling you, no, 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 you got to go back up and explore around somewhere yeah. up there. I got more frustrated with that than the actual Sudoku. Yeah, that was super annoying too. There was one of the monoliths where, you know, I'm just hauling across the wastelands here in the Nomad and it had like a lower cave entrance and I like jumped off of a chasm to get into it. Mm -hmm. And as I jumped in, I noticed that one of those giant aliens was hanging out there and I'm just like, full steam away from this dude <laughs> i'm like i bet i can get away i bet he can't get in here unfortunately he couldn't and i didn't have to deal with him yeah i did i did much the <laughs> much the same thing <laughs> he hung out at the entrance so as i'm looking around for these glyphs all i hear was this, ooh, ooh, <laughs> and i'm like what is going on and he's just sitting there nice anyway so you find the entrance this was a little strange to me uh there's a little puzzle here well, so once you get into the into the into the vault, there's like two paths and you can go left, or you can go right. And I took left because I typically pick left. I read left to right. So I always go left first. And it has one of these puzzles where you activate these lasers and they mm-hmm. have maybe two states where you can flip them between two states and it points the laser in one direction or and moves it to another direction. And it and they point to different lasers. So it's almost like you got to you got to take the initial laser that's powered and kind of like direct power throughout the lasers. Right. But the problem here is that even in even in this vault, it's still cold. It's yeah. still freezing. You still have this meter. And fortunately, there is around that puzzle. If you act, if you turn one of the lasers a certain way, then it puts up a, a little shield bubble that you can go in that will, uh, I don't know, bring your life support back to 100 percent. See, you're smarter than me Why because I got to this at the end of a play session. So it's like 1030 at night or whatever. I'm getting a little tired. 
And I just want to finish this stupid vault. <laughs> I'm, and I'm assuming that it's not going to be the length of the vault on EOS. And I get in there and it's freezing cold. And you, you light up one of the remnant consoles and those shield thingies pop up. But someone's, there was some dialogue line from one of the characters that made it sound like if I touch those, they will kill me. <laughs> so I didn't touch them because I didn't want to die. <laughs> and, and, and at first I didn't notice that it was super cold and that my life support was draining. So I start doing the laser things. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, you're about to die. You should probably get someplace warm. Well, there isn't any place warm. Let's run back to the gravity well, I guess. <laughs> and as I'm going up the gravity well, it's warm. Oh. I'm I'm good. But as soon as I get to the top of the gravity well, it's cold. And then I think, well, hopefully, maybe it's just the spot where the gravity well is at the bottom stays warm. And I just have to keep running back here. It's annoying, but it's not horrible. I hope I don't have to just go up and down the gravity well every time I need to be warm. Get back down. Nope, it's freezing cold. And I'm just trying to do all of these puzzles while rushing up and down the gravity well. Wow. It was awful. And I got mad and quit for the night. <laughs> and fortunately, we talked about it the next day at work. And you told me, uh, no, you can go in the shields and you're totally fine. And that made figuring out the rest of this vault a lot easier and a lot shorter. And it's not a big vault, thank God. No, it really isn't. It seems like if you take the right path, it takes you straight to where you need to be. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure what the... When I finished the puzzle part of the left section, it looked like it pointed a laser up toward the right path. So I thought maybe I had to do that to activate something on the right path. But I, I don't... I'm not sure if that's the case. Yeah, I'm not sure that it was the case either. Because when I came back the next day, a lot of the, that stuff on the left was there. But I could kind of see that where I wanted to go was actually to the right. Mm -hmm. And there were... There were pillars there that I yeah. could jump on. So I just went to the right. Yeah. And that's, that's where the activation console is. And, yep. and that's reactivate the vault. Mm -hmm. It activates the purification, smoky gas thing that right. kills everything in its path. And so then you run back out just like you did on EOS and that's it. And now the planet is greenish. <laughs> is it greenish? I didn't notice. I still it, saw snow everywhere. It's still snow everywhere, but now the sky is tinted greenish oh nice and it's not nice it's really really ugly oh like, so, okay like i don't find snow all that pretty either but this was even worse huh. like, i think the planet is uglier now <laughs> i don't want to be there anymore uglier but maybe a little bit more livable exactly a livable enough so that the next the next mission uh is settling vold and that's just to set up an outpost i think you have to have a certain percentage of viability on this planet and obviously activating the vault gives you a huge chunk so right Oh, yeah. It takes it from like 8% to like 90% or something. <laughs> so, again, you don't get to choose where this goes. It's just there's a predetermined spot somewhere on the map and you go there and set up an outpost. So, while that's all technically side quest, it didn't feel like side quest. No. And while doing all of that stuff, because you're driving all over the planet to do this stuff, there were also some other things that we ran across in addition to trying to find an arc. But we'll get to that in a little bit. So, there was a, a side quest called Frequency, where they the locals had said they were hearing some weird frequency thing. Mm -hmm. I think you and I both did this. Yep. You find some meteorite that's crashed into the planet, and it's traveled through the scourge. Mm -hmm. So it's got something weird about it, extra weird, because it's drawing in all of these little crawly, bad alien things that are trying to kill you. Mm -hmm. And it basically turns into a little... Yeah, waves of enemies challenge. Mm -hmm. Yep. Wipe out a bunch of dudes, start to interact with the meteorite thing, kill some more dudes, interact with the meteorite thing, and then you're done. And then you actually do have a decision here of whether you want to take this meteorite back to the Nexus so that you can analyze it, because there could be some really useful information here about the scourge because mm -hmm. it has scourgy stuff in the meteorite. I don't know how to describe it any better than that. So what did you choose? Did you decide to take the meteorite back or are you thinking, eh, this is a little risky to take some giant meteorite? Well, I feel like my logic here is just, it's, I don't know if it's cheating. It's just, if this were part of the main story, I feel like I'd have, a, I would think a little bit more about it, but because <laughs> this is an optional side quest, you could completely bypass this. I feel like, 
either nothing bit nothing important is going to come from this or nothing bad is going to happen from this so mm-hmm. i said yeah i might get some cool codex entries i agree i'm going to take it back to the nexus i didn't think nearly that cynically about it i just approached it as hey this mission is science too let's take this back and see what happens okay and so far nothing has happened <laughs> like one of the themes to this these play sessions that we discovered is there's a whole lot of get a little bit into a mission and then wait and get into yep. a mission and then wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot, it puts a lot of missions on hold while you're waiting for an email or for someone to do anything. Right. And I think it's, it's not, it's not, it's not time-based, obviously it's based on your progress through the main, uh, the main story. Mm-hmm. Now, a- another thing that I want to mention about uh, our, our time on Vold is we, we went after this Asari arc, or at least I did. I think you did too, right? I did. And so when I did that, I always like to take the people with me that make the most sense for that. Yeah. So I brought PB because she's Asari. Okay. And then I also brought Cora because I've just brought Cora on everything because she's an awesome commando person. It set up some pretty funny conversations between pb and cora oh because you're driving around on the nomad and there's a lot of conversation (laughs) pb and cora do not like each other at all (laughs) pb thinks that cora's way too uptight Mm -hmm. cora thinks that pb's just a a young irresponsible slacker who doesn't do anything it's it was it was it was interesting and the other thing is that that cora doesn't just think that pb's a slacker she thinks that that PB doesn't even seem to care about mm. finding this lost ark and she can't understand why that would be the case. It just doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of yeah, sense. Yeah. She's she, all she really cares about is, is the remnant. Technology right. She's, that's pretty much all she's interested in. So at, at one point they were bickering back and forth with each other and PB says to Cora, that's, that's so weird that you were fighting the Asari wars and you know, when you're a human and Cora says, I, I was there to learn. And PB says, to learn what? And Cora says, patience, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) She just can't stand being in the Nomad with with PB. Uh, It it had a lot of really fun conversations (laughs) with with those two bickering at each other. So let's talk just real briefly about this Asari Ark mission. Sure. This one, like... These are the missions that I'm curious about because oh, we yeah. need to find these other arcs. Yeah. And this side mission was really a huge letdown. It's super lame in that you you get on the planet and they're like, uh, we don't really know where the ship crashed, but we see like these five different spots where there might be something. It might be the ship. So go to these and check them out. And of course, it's the one that's the furthest away. <laughs> so you're just driving around for kind of no reason at all. You You get there. And there's definitely a ship that crashed there, but there's, there's not really much there. And the mission ends there with, with Cora saying, well, you know, I, I've got some information that I've got to, that I've got to scan about this. Get back to me. And the thing that's super frustrating to me is that most of the times when something like that has happened, you needlessly have to go talk to the person on the Tempest. And the next time you do that, it resolves it and you can keep going forward. Mm-hmm. That's not the case with this one. No. No. I went and talked to Cora on the Tempest and she still hadn't figured this stuff out yet. No, but this is an example of a side quest that has you travel all over the galaxy for seemingly no reason. So in this one, you start on EOS. It doesn't, you could be anywhere doing some other mission. And if you want to initiate this side quest, you have to travel back to EOS, mm-hmm. deal with all the load times for that, find somebody there who gives you a little bit of setup for this. Then you have to travel back to the other planet. Right. For no reason. I couldn't just call this person on right, EOS. Right. We have, we have phones. Right. <laughs> we have a video conferencing room right on the show. Yeah. The, uh, the intergalactic <laughs> space communism or whatever it is that she called. <laughs> so that's annoying. But there was some, there was some, there wasn't much in terms of like actually learning anything about the arc, but we did get a little bit of information in that. Uh, there was a uh, an audio log from the captain of of the ship saying something like, "We failed. We couldn't draw them off. It seemed that they were being chased down by cat." I mean, this this transponder is surrounded by nothing. Like the ship is destroyed. Like whatever mm-hmm. was this. It sounds like that there was an escape pod or something. Like everybody was trying to evacuate the ship. Right. And this part crashed and it was just obliterated mm-hmm. by the cat. And all that's left is this transponder. And this captain says 
the decimations too cunning. Decimation, and I, I play with the subtitles on just in case I, I miss something. Yeah, me too. Audio mixing isn't always real good on games. And it's The Decimation, capital D, like it's the name of something. Mm-hmm. The Decimation's too cunning. Forgive us, we tried. Who's, what is The Decimation? Decimation? Who was, like, what is it? Yeah, Any we, idea? We, we don't know. You, you're, the, you're the Codex scrounger. Did you find anything in the I didn't, Codex? I didn't find anything in there about that. Yeah, it seems like we're left to, to guess that it's maybe some, like, elite squadron of Ket, maybe? That, that's kind of what I'm thinking, but mm-hmm. we don't really know. Yeah. It could be a, sh- a cat ship. Ooh. Could be. A cunning? A sh- cunning ship? I guess it probably wouldn't be a cunning ship. The crew of that ship would be cunning. Sure. But I don't know. Maybe it's a ship with AI. It's very cunning. It could be another alien race. There might finally Ooh. be something other than the cat. That's that's cool. But it was the cat that was all over this this wreck. Yeah. So we're left to think that it is cat related, but it could be another alien race, and that would be kind of nice. So at this point, we're thinking this arc is in bad shape or destroyed or something. Yeah, and, and that's all we have to go on. We, we've got the flight recorder. Cora's going to analyze it and we'll see. But pay attention to that story because it's going to sound awfully familiar in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple of other really, really tiny side quests that I did on Vold uh, as I was trying to drive to other places. There was some bridge that the cat were trying to bomb. So I took out the, killed the cat and took out the bombs. You know, it's a little bit of XP or whatever, not really a big deal. And then there's another side quest that you get after you set up the outpost uh, about missing scientists on the planet. So they want you to go after these missing scientists and you go, you find some stuff and it says you should go this way. We think they're over there. And you get to this big remnant area and holy crap, there's a giant flying monster. Huge flying snake looking thing. And I was getting low on my life support Mm -hmm. and couldn't be out of the nomad long to fight this thing and wasn't sure that I was going to be able to beat this thing and decided, let's come back for this mission some other time, which always messes with, you know, the role-playing aspect of a game for me because if this was real life, there's no coming back. These scientists are going to die very soon because this giant flying snake thing is going to kill them. You can't just come back days later to save them. But you in need, a video you game, need you to can. go back home, do some push-ups, get a little bit stronger, <laughs> level yourself up, and when right. you then come back and save them. Exactly. You're right. It, it it does really break the immersion when you just you're like, I'm too weak, and I gotta go get some better weapons. I gotta level right. up. What have you? Yeah, I did do. I did try to do this mission too. Um, I actually did attempt to fight this thing. I think they call it a remnant architect. Yep. In the in the little mission log. Well, I will say I will say one thing that you shouldn't have to worry too much about the environment because there are buildings surrounding this That's guy. That's true. And if you go inside a building, even though it's like open all around, <laughs> it's it's not really enclosed with climate control. Uh, it it is warm enough. Maybe it's got one of those heaters in it that it will it will keep you warm. So, so if you need to, you can go outside, fight, come inside, and, and okay. recover. So you do have that, but it wasn't enough for me because this guy is powerful, and I'm weak enough that it would take. Like I could, I think I could get down his patterns, shoot this guy, and take him down. But it's a grind. Yeah, it's just it's going to take so many shots, and his attacks are so powerful. Now they are dodgeable, and 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 they're. They're telegraphed, so you can you can avoid them, but you've got to be perfect. Mm. And if you make a mistake, you're it's not an immediate kill, but you need to. You need, it's going to be luck because you either need to get. Hopefully, you've fallen behind some kind of barrier because the next attack will kill you. Yeah. And if you haven't gotten back up yet, just forget about it. <laughs> so I tried a few times and decided I probably could try for an hour and take this guy out, Ooh. but I don't want to. No, so no, I also long. abandoned this. Maybe later on. Yeah. Maybe and toward the end of the game, maybe come back and try this one. Maybe. And then uh, when I was fleeing that mission, I came across another one uh, called Frosty Reception. And in that one, you ha- you come across some resistance fighters, some Angarn res- resistance fighters who are being attacked by the cat. You want to help them out. This only takes, you know, like a couple of minutes because it's just wipe out a few cat dudes. At least I think... Because the mission totally glitched out on me because there's some like cool looking resistance fighter guy in a sweet helmet and all this stuff that 
after you kill the cat, you're supposed to go talk to him. And he's just kind of moseying along. And it never gave me a button prompt to talk to him. And I tried like getting in front of him and moving around him and trying all this different stuff. It never allowed me to talk to him. I don't know what was going on. He's, he's safe now. Screw it. I'm leaving. <laughs> so it didn't, it didn't mark it as being complete. Nope. That's disappointing. A yeah. lot of these side quests are very disappointing. Yeah. A lot of them are, are, are just act as a simple way of getting XP. The, mm. uh, the, the story has nothing to do with anything. It doesn't matter. There's no impact. And the gameplay is almost nil. For example, yeah. I, I, I didn't write this in my notes, but on Havaral, I had a, I had a really small side quest where apparently an Angaran is there um, and she's been studying, I don't know, cat stars, I don't know, something. But because of the crazy wildlife there, her, her building was overtaken and, and she had to evacuate and escape. But she left all of her stuff there. She left her computer there. And all of her research, and so she has to start over, and she doesn't want to. So she's like, "Hey, can you go? Can you go just see if you can recover anything? I know it's not very likely, but can you go recover anything?" And I said, "Sure." And I'm thinking, "Well, this must be kind of a quite a distance away because otherwise you would just go try again, right?" <laughs> I swear, I think I walked like the distance from an IKEA parking lot into the building <laughs> to this building, not very far. Yeah, there were some enemies. Okay, some wildlife. I shot them all. They're dead. I went in the building, found the computer, discovered it's all corrupt. There's nothing. There's nothing from the data. <laughs> that was it. That was the end of the side mission. That, that's a useful mission. So that, I, I think that's not even worth, that's not even worth playing. Thanks, Bioware. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good for having something to do, and I guess you can use it for experience and level up. But just in terms of story, uh, there's, there's nothing came of it, you know? Yeah. All right. So Havaral, yeah, this is the jungle planet with the crazy wildlife and the poisonous plants. And Havarl's a little bit different because it seems that two of the monoliths are active. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like this place is completely uninhabitable. It's just causing huge disruptions in, in, in the wildlife and whatnot. So we're going to try to activate the vault. The vault's not activated, but a couple of the monoliths are. Yeah. So we need to, we need to activate the third monolith and the vault to you know, make things better here. But the problem is, is that we can't find, no one knows where the third monolith is. <laughs> right. We know where the vault is, which is weird, but we don't know where the third monolith is. It's, it's even more strange because these things are huge towers. Yeah. Like you can't. It's like hiding a skyscraper. How do you hide a skyscraper? <laughs> I don't get it. So, so they're like, we, we talked to this lady this lady in Garen and the, in the, in the base that you see when you first land and she knows that something has to be done because this is, this is getting worse and worse and pretty soon that they're not, they're not going to be able to live there. And as you pointed out earlier, this is the Angaran homeworld. So it's, it's meaningful to them. And they're like, we, we've got nothing except one of the Angarans says, you know, there is something we haven't tried yet. There are these crazy sages who live in this sanctuary. They are isolated. They don't want anything to do with modern life. They might have some answers there, but why haven't they, why haven't they tried? Why haven't they tried going there? Because it's too dangerous. They live up on top of this gigantic tower, which is not the third monolith. Even though way. it looks like a monolith. Yeah. It probably is a, a, a remnant uh, monolith of some kind, but there, it's just, it's a, it's a long arduous path up mm-hmm. to that place. They, so they're, they're saying a little bit more about these guys that they can trace their families back to a time from just after the scourge. So, you know, maybe they know something. Right. So we take the dangerous path, get all the way to the top of this thing. This took a little while. It's kind of annoying trying to find your way around this monolith thing to get up there. Yeah, because the map isn't very helpful at this point. It's a pretty linear path, but it, the path isn't necessarily clearly laid out. Right. I died a few times here because there's a lot of monsters in the, in the, like the, the gully or the hmm. cavernous area. There's a lot of like, huge monsters down there and uh, a lot of those. It's like the one time in this gameplay session that you died and I didn't. It's usually me dying a bunch a lot of people. Like, co- what? You died there? There's like three different types of enemies down there. You got the gigantic wild uh, guys who chase you down and punch you across the map and do tons of damage. You've got remnant uh, observers and whatnot shooting lasers at you from a distance. And you've got Rokar shooting, mm. sniping at you from a right. distance as well. So. But they're also fighting each other. Yeah, if you let them fight each other some, <laughs> it makes that a little bit easier on you. That's true. So eventually we make our way up to the sanctuary village. It's called Mithrava. 
And after finally getting up there, I was so happy to see a fast travel point. One oh of those my forward, gosh. Forward I was base stations. so excited to see that. So I'm like, I'm never coming. I hope that there's nobody else has anything to say here because I'm not coming back. <laughs> no. But fortunately, there is a spot just for us to fast travel back to and summon. I don't think it would make sense to summon the Nomad there. Yeah, but. I don't think it actually lets you, but... <laughs> But uh, we do, hey guys. We do, we're gonna wreck your your sanctuary here with our giant <laughs> nomad. <laughs> you don't like modern stuff, huh? Well, I'll check this thing out. It's right. got a lot of wheels. We find uh, the head head sage there. His name is Esmus, and he doesn't want you there. He's confused as to how you got past all of their security. So, like, they've set a lot of this up, or are just using it conveniently. They don't want any. They're really isolation. They don't want anybody there. Nope. And of course, you're an alien. They don't trust you. But after explaining, like, listen, dude, I, I can take care of your, pro- your planet problem. I'm going to go find this third monolith. We're going to activate it and all th- everything's going to be good. Then he starts to be a little bit more responsive. And he says, well, there used to be this dude. His name is Zorai. And he probably knows where that third monolith is, but he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> he's dead. But this, it's okay, though, because you know what? People are reincarnated. And... Not only are they reincarnated, they're reincarnated in families. So we actually right. know, we have a pretty good idea of when someone dies, who they are reincarnated into. And it turns out, this is really cool, that if you give them some sort of trinket or object or heirloom, heirloom uh, from, from the ancestor, it may trigger some memories mm-hmm. to awaken. Well, this, this, sounds like a, this sounds like an adventure. So what do you think? What do you think happens next? Right. So we have to go find the descendant of Zorai, and they know who this is. Yeah, and it's a guy. It's a Tavos. Yeah, it's a Tavos guy who's one of the bigwigs with the Rokar. How how are we just going to convince this Rokar dude to to talk to us? A lot of sweet talking, but we are going to find this heirloom at a remnant base. I don't think it's the vault. It's some other. It's some other area. Yeah, and. It's just another area to fight a bunch of remnant, but you get this, yep. it's like a glove. They call it a gauntlet. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's for. You don't even actually see it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it gives the ultimate high five, except I think they only have three fingers. I don't know. So we, t- we take it to him and we do convince him to touch it and whoa, we get a memory. He's like, yeah, I know where the third monolith is. I don't know how I know, but I know. Meet me over at this spot. I actually had a hard time finding the spot. Me too. <laughs> I was really confused about where it was that I was supposed to meet him. And it's, it's the vault entrance that you went to earlier. Is it? Yes. Because I thought, well, I got, I got alternate. I went down the wrong path, yep. got to a dead end yep. after fighting a bunch of I had to wildlife. kill a bunch of wildlife things. I yep. mean, there, there were some things to pick up, but oh, ultimately yeah, it didn't minerals really, and containers, but ultimately like, I, I because this place is full of these high walls, and you're mm-hmm. looking at the map, and you can't necessarily tell nope. what is easily accessible. And, and you so, can't tell if the little icon that you're trying to go to is on top of the building yep. or in the building. Yep. And Yeah. Uh, made too many assumptions there. So anyway, yes. we do eventually, eventually find this entrance to the cave that he activates by touching some pedestal. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if he had to use the glove, the gauntlet, to do this, because I didn't, it looked like it was just his hand. But I'm surprised that nobody tried doing this. Like there, there's just in this valley area, there's just a pedestal there. That looks mm. a little strange against a wall. Right. And nobody's like tried doing anything with it. That's kind of strange. I think it was the, gaunt- the gauntlet. Okay. I think that it's essentially the, the old school way of interacting with the remnant things that only the Zorai Ooh. guy figured okay. out. That's just like, okay. just like how Alec Ryder wasn't just using his hand yeah. to turn on the thing. He was using Sam. He had Sam. Okay. So but in either case, it acts as a key. We open up this and go to a cave. And we see a couple things in there. First, we do obviously find the monolith. So wh- how, how is it that we lost a monolith? It's because it's buried underground. This giant mm. skyscraper thing is buried underground. <laughs> but we also find the remains of Zorai. And it turns out that uh, Zorai actually was a woman. So this legend passed down through these uh, these sages wasn't quite accurate, and that she died trying to find this monolith. Right. It sounds like she had activated the other two monoliths herself. Yeah, that was the impression that I got too. Was that she was the one who who did all that work and and just couldn't make it to this one. Yep. And and while this is all happening, 
he he's telling you things that he's remembering mm-hmm. from Zorai. And Zorai says, I learned how to do this just by watching the remnant. Like that's how Zorai and and now this guy knew how to interact with the pedestal is they they just watched and mm-hmm. learned and figured it out. So maybe the gauntlet isn't super special, or maybe they watched something that the remnant were doing and built that into the gauntlet. Cause the gauntlet isn't just, this isn't like medieval times gauntlet where it's just a big metal glove that <laughs> right. you're punching people in the face with. It's got electric stuff in it. It's got contacts that go against the skin and all that stuff. So there's something to this gauntlet. So he's, he's overcome with emotion of these memories and uh, he just wants to hang out there and we activate the monolith and no Sudoku. Yay. My favorite monolith yet. <laughs> And we head to the entrance that is that we can now have access to, and we act. I think there's a little bit of a puzzle in that one. Isn't Actually, there? you're wrong. There was Sudoku at that one. No, it's at the thing where you activate the cleaner. Yeah. The, yep. There was. Yeah. Exactly. But it was optional. It was. So you go to you go to the the entrance to the vault, and oh yeah, there's a little there's a little puzzle where you have to line up the lasers all pointing at the door. Yeah. Well, you, yes. You have to power them on in a certain order mm-hmm. to open up the door. And then inside is the console. But yeah, behind it, right. you can find this optional, very small yeah. Sudoku puzzle that apparently, act- I did it, but it activates yeah. a, a turret or something and uh, should make it a little bit easier to escape. But we escape. That turret didn't make it easier to escape. <laughs> did you have a hard tur- time getting Wasn't out? that turret shooting at us too? I don't know. I died like three times trying to get out. Oh, really? <laughs> I mean, I was taking a beating, but I, I just avoided everything and ran out because I was being chased down by... It didn't seem smoke. like the door was opening until I killed all the remnant that were inside. I, I wasn't trying to kill them, and I felt like it opened at the very last second possible. I figured it was probably just my timing that I it took <laughs> me until the very last second to kill the remnant. Ran to the next room, more remnant things pop out, and there's the turret, and I died twice in there, I think. And then the third, as I was dying that, that second time, I noticed that it seemed like I could just run up to the console and hit it. Yeah. So when I got in there the third time, I just went straight yeah. to the console and hit it. And sure enough, yeah, that's what I did. It wiped out all the bad guys. Okay. Cool. Vault's activated. That should clean up this planet a little bit. So we go back to the person who gave us this quest back at the uh, original base. And uh, now all of a sudden, the, um, the viability of this planet is up real high, but they don't, there's no place to place a uh, outpost. They don't, they're not giving us a place to, to, for humanity to sort of inhabit or live here. They Even just, though they tell us that we should. They say that, yeah, you can come help us out. You can come like hang out and stuff, but there was no place for an outpost. I never placed an outpost. Yeah. I never placed one either, which did seem really, really weird. But I thought it was, it was a, uh, it was a little cute that, uh, both Tavos and Esmus were there. It was all, they were just all like reunited in a happy family of all these different types of people. <laughs> and, but this, this woman who had given you the quest, she seems very skeptical of this whole reincarnation thing. Yeah. So what I learned from that is that it's not an Angaran belief. It's specifically this group of people. Yeah. This splinter group or what have you. Yeah. That have this belief. And she seems to think that there's some other explanation for it, some sort of maybe genetic memory or something. Right. But I had Jal with me because mm-hmm. I always take yep. the relevant people with me. And at one point after, like right near the end of all of this, where you're going through the cave and everything, I, I asked Jal, do you, do you believe in this reincarnation stuff? And he said that he did, but not in the same way, but he didn't expand on that at all. What does that mean? I don't know. I really have no idea. Okay. But it's, a, it's interesting nonetheless. Now, there are lots of other side quests that you can do on this. You did that super lame one walking across the Ikea parking yep. lot. Um, <laughs> I had one for Jal, so yeah. uh, called Friend or Foe, where you, you want to go and talk to this lady to see if she can help you out with the Rokar people. Mm-hmm. Did you do this one? Nope. Um, it's another one where you go and do something, and then it's on hold. Oh. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty short. And I... I did it because it was on the way to the monolith after fast traveling down from the sanctuary. Yeah. Okay. The only other mission I did on Havara was the uh, Turian Ark, the Turian Ark mission. Mm-hmm. Now, this isn't tied to anyone in particular. Like, this isn't a loyalty mission for anybody. 
Right. It's just while 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 you're on the planet doing other things, you notice that there's a group of Turians over there fighting. And you're like, maybe what's going on here? How'd they get here? We should go check it out. Mm-hmm. I um, did that one too. Okay. So we see a bunch of Turians under attack and we go help them out. And we just, we speak with their leader. He tells us a little bit of information, including that he's a specter. Yay, specter. That's what you were in the first game, right? Right. And I'm seeing a pattern here with all these arcs. They had to land because the, their, their arc was hit by the scourge. Mm-hmm. And they get an escape pod. They crash on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> they're attacked by the cats. And so at this point, they're just like, I don't, I got nothing. I, I know that my Pathfinder's out there because this isn't, this is, he's just, uh, he's a specter. I think he's second in command. Because yeah, he, he sounds says, like their Cora. Yes. Because he says, I know that our Pathfinder's still out there because Sam hasn't transferred to me yet. Mm-hmm. So all we know is that their Pathfinder's out there and, and, this guy, the Spectre, has asked us just keep an eye out for survivors for pieces of the ship and yeah. what have you, and that's it. That's it. Very so, anticlimactic. Yeah. Yeah. So I was hoping to learn more about the arcs. I was so excited to see that there were sightings yeah. of Asari and sightings of Turians, but at this point, it hasn't led to anything. Especially Turians. Yeah. We love those Turians. So at least we got some of them in the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think that's it for our actual side missions. Is that right? Yeah, the side missions on the planets, yeah. So we've also got some of the loyalty missions and and people that we went to do things for and with and and some of these kind of snowballed into other little missions. You know, we had we had silly ones like Liam wanting us to go get him a, a movie library <laughs> so we can have movie night on on the Tempest, yeah. which is ridiculous. <laughs> but I did it anyway. Um so I spent a little bit of time at the Nexus. And I, I basic, well, I guess I did three things because while on Vold, I guess we didn't mention this one on Vold, uh, I took PB partly because there was a PB loyalty mission that involved going back to Vold, finding some stuff for her there, uh, and her to continue working on her remnant tech project that she won't tell us what it is. Mm-hmm. And that mission kind of wraps itself up on the Nexus. Where you show up at her apartment, because she's got an apartment there. How does she have an apartment on the Nexus? I have no idea. She's like supposedly an escaped person who isn't <laughs> even supposed to be awake right now. <laughs> right. And she has an apartment on the Nexus? Yeah, I don't get you that. You go down that hallway and there's like four apartments. How does she have one of, out of four apartments? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And you go inside and she's made some giant flying remnant squid thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, bl- I believe the word you're looking for is remnant observer. Right. That thing. The, the giant flying squid. <laughs> and she said, she's like, yeah, I got this hack that works for us now. And you can use this in combat. I haven't done that yet. Have you? Have you, uh, have you tried to summon this thing? I haven't either because this was basically one of the last couple of things okay. that I did. That sounds sweet. That sounds cool. It does sound cool. So, like, as we do more missions for her, are we going to get more cool remnant guys that can help us out? And is it going to have to take the place of one of my... Uh, abilities <gasps> i hope not because remnant observers aren't as funny as oh what did you say as the like push and pull abilities oh, I, thought, <laughs> I thought you said that <laughs> replace one of the crew oh no no, squad no. Mates. I, I definitely wouldn't want it to replace that would be unacceptable mate. yeah no, no no that's not yeah it probably would I th- it probably would take actually I, yeah i could have swore they said that it was mapped to like left bumper or something i could be wrong well left bumper is one, one of your powers. abilities yep. yeah okay but also while you're in the apartment, in terms of some character backstory and whatnot, someone else shows up, a Asari, an Asari called Kalinda, mm-hmm. and she's starting to fight with fight with PB. This is clearly the person that she was referring to earlier, where she came to Andromeda with a friend, yeah. and that they had a falling out. They're clearly bickering, like old friends mm-hmm. who no longer like each other. Yeah, PB says, we used to be like family, now we're not. That sums it up. Okay. But I remember having some conversation choices about a kind of like whose side to to pick. You know, like do I do I agree with PB? Do I agree with with Kalinda? Did did you do you remember what you picked? Uh, I, when when I was presented with the options, I I saw one that seemed like it was more of like a peacemaker sort of option, where it's like, ladies, calm down, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the one that I picked. Oh, I kept siding with PB, like. First of all, I'm trying to I'm trying to do the romance, right? So I want to get on her good side. But also, this this chick just comes in and just starts yelling about things, mm-hmm. and I'm like, just, 
just what are you talking about get out of here right you know so don't you see we've got this remnant squid <laughs> it'll blast you in the face lady uh yeah cool that was pb's loyalty mission right and then lexi is also on the the nexus lexi is is the doctor and basically right after i land I'm getting calls from the Tempest saying, uh, we don't know where Lexi is. We might want to find her. And we find her at the bar. Which I hadn't seen. Me like, neither. I'd been all over this Nexus. Yep. And how did I completely bypass this door? I missed that whole section of the Nexus. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like, yeah, we need a dance club. Like every other game has had this sort of dance club <laughs> right. bar place. And here it is. It's been here the whole time. I, I love this bar because it's not really a bar. It's a science lab. <laughs> and the scientists are just experimenting with drinks to give to people. But the scientist is super grumpy about it. Like, he's not yeah. happy that people are there. No. And he's mad that people are giving him gifts. Like, he's the grumpiest <laughs> dude ever. But he's he's giving you drinks. Try him out for free. <laughs> We're experimenting on you. So Lexi's there, but Gil's also there. Uh, Gil, the engineer guy in the ship, and he wants to play poker. So it was nice that these guys were both right next to each other. We can take care of both at the same time. And they're both pretty short. There's no gameplay. It's all conversational. Mm-hmm. So Lexi first. Um, it's called Bottom of a Bottle. She seems a little depressed. Yeah, she's super depressed. She's drinking. Uh-huh. Not in a fun way. And she's she's all depressed that, like we don't actually like her and all this stuff and that we don't really want her there. And you ha- you do have some dialogue options. And, yeah. and I chose to say that, you know, like we were actually, we really do like you yeah. and we do really want you there. Like I, I was just super friendly with her. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I seem to remember doing the same thing. I remember, yeah, she said that I'm just upset because PB in particular says, you know, claims that I don't care about the crew and I just see them as experiments. Right. And she has talked a lot that way. Cause I, when I try to go talk to her, she's like, no, nah, you're just a patient. <laughs> <laughs> right. Don't even try hitting on me. This is not going to work out. Yeah. And she says, she says that all of her exes have said something similar about how she just sees them as experiments. See, this explains why, I mean, I'm just, I'm just a one in a long line of people, uh, failed relationships yep. with, with Lexi, I guess. <laughs> Although I, when I got back to the ship, had an email from her. Oh. Did you, did you get an email from probably. her? Probably. You probably did, but you said. haven't read it. She, she thanks me for, you know, talking to her and, and being friends with her and, and says sometime once all of this is calmed down, we should get drinks as friends purely platonic (laughs) (laughs) okay Okay, lexi i get it you're not into me it's fine got it uh she mentions during this conversation and i think we knew about this before but we didn't talk about it that she grew up on omega which is from mass effect 2 maybe 3 it's definitely in 2 okay it's like the space station Mm -hmm. out in the middle of nowhere that you know it's got a dance club it's got it's kind of a seedy area yeah um a lot of crime that sort of thing and her parents um, lived there and that's where she grew up. So she, she, if you look at her and talk to her, she doesn't seem like somebody who came from that environment. No, she doesn't. So a little interesting backstory for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, then I hopped over to Gil at the poker table or I just at a table, to play some poker. And another thing with these side quests is there haven't been a whole lot of decisions to make, which is what disappointing, nope. but it makes sense if they are optional, there's not much to there shouldn't be any long lasting effect, but there was a decision here when play, like you've agreed to play a game of poker with Gil and right away, Sam's talking to you on the private channel. <laughs> Sam's like, Hey, uh, just so you know, I can like read him. I can tell when he's bluffing. Right. Do you, uh, do you want any help with this? <laughs> I chose, no, I'm going to play this game straight. I'm not going to cheat against Gil, even though I know he's probably going to destroy me. Same here. I did the same thing. But and he does. We, <laughs> he does. He's really good. Obviously, he said he was. I don't know what would happen if we were to like cheat it. Basically, it's cheating at the game. Yeah. Maybe we'd learn more about him, see how he actually feels about like uh, the game and and how good he is at it. But he, he seems like kind of a fragile dude, though. <laughs> and beating him at poker might send him to a place that I don't. I that's don't want that's to that's be. a good point. Um. <laughs> So we don't actually get to play poker in the sense of picking cards and whatnot. It's just happening while we're talking. And, but he talks about things. He talks a lot about Jill. And I just realized that 
it's Gil and Jill. <laughs> I didn't realize that until you said it. That is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the more he talks about her, um, it sounds like she's more of a family friend mm. and not a romantic interest. Yeah. Or a relationship there. Mm-hmm. Um, and her. So maybe he's still an option. Yeah, so maybe for he is. I'm, he's an option. I could talk to him. <laughs> um, if it doesn't work out with PB. So, but he explains that the reason she's there is that she is a fertility expert and she is part of the CRC, which is the Colonial Reproduction Committee. And it's, I found this whole conversation really funny because it's Gil basically realizing that a lot of what's happening or going to be happening in this galaxy is we have to reproduce and make more people. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, well, uh, I guess I never really thought about that. I guess I could have kids. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I I loved that. One of the dialogue options was to basically be like, you're just now figuring this out (laughs) that we're here to reproduce. (laughs) Uh, I don't, that was, I don't think I had anything else for him. Yeah. (laughs) But that was cool. He's great. Those are all the side missions that I did or felt were worth talking about. There, there are some other things we learned about characters, but I don't, I don't know if they're really even worth going into. Yeah, did you, did you have any, anything mind-blowing or something that you think is worth mentioning? So I did want to update uh, you and our listeners on my romance situation. Okay. Because last time we talked, I, I hadn't really chosen... Like I'd, I've been leaning towards Joel... But I, I just kept having these like friend options. It seemed right, like right. We're finally like we're 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 moving down the romance what happened? path. It was super super awkward. What happened? <laughs> but I went back and I saw him again and was talking to him again. And this time I actually had uh, a heart option instead for, of the two people dialogue. like holding hands. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It was an actual giant heart, and I picked it. And told him that I was into him and he said basically the same thing. And it was super awkward because he's like super sciencey and yeah. super emotional. Yeah. So very, very awkward. <laughs> very funny. <laughs> but but he's into me, I'm into him, and it's it's cool. And so later I'm going through my emails. I had a lot of missed emails. Jeez. And uh, I, I wrote some of these down because the progression of the messages from Jaw uh, is hilarious. So they start very professional. The first one, <laughs> the subject line is communication from Jaw, and the the greeting is Pathfinder Writer of the Human Initiative, and then it just goes into like <laughs> super uh, straightforward. It's it's not mm-hmm. it's not even super friendly. Yeah. And then the next one uh, subject again is communication from Jaw, and the greeting is to Sarah comma line break writer comma <laughs> and then it's like you can tell he just has like no idea yeah, yeah. How, how to do this and it's a friendlier message but it's not anything super romance romance filled or anything like that and then the next one the subject is a communication from your friend Joel. Ooh. that's the subject and then the greeting is just dearest oh and we're making some so here. so it starts with dearest and then he says is dearest too strong of a word for people who are fond of each other <laughs> and then he says but wait is fond too strong of a word for people who enjoy flirting with each other <laughs> and then he goes on to talk about how every time he thinks of my face it makes him smile and it is like so junior high mm. romance letters wow. it is hilarious and i'm loving it <laughs> <laughs> that's funny well, it sounds like you're making some real good progress there, though. Yeah. How's things going with PB? Nothing. I mean, nothing else so far. Um, I keep getting a million options to romance her and, and I keep no, actually not. It, every time I talked, every time I would talk to her, it was the, it was the same dialogue option. So mm. I, normally I think that you would hit the heart, have that conversation. And then every time you could talk to them, they wouldn't have that option anymore. Right. It was the same thing over and over with PB where they just talk about flirting a little bit. Mm. So I wasn't making any progress on there. Maybe you should um, check her email. I should check my email. But I think I think now that uh, uh, I've been to her apartment and kind of defended her or, you know, choosing her side in the argument against Kalinda, I think I'm making some headway. All right. Well, anything else important with any of the characters that was relevant enough to even bring up now? No, nothing that I feel like we should need to talk about. So a little 
I'd say overall, we're a little disappointed in, in all of these side missions and, and really don't understand the game structure where things that seem incredibly important to the mission are side missions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could, I could see where maybe it's just, it really is priority ops to take care of this cat threat. Because if we, if we were to think of all these things as being part of the main story, then maybe it is a waste of time or it's not a good use of time to be doing these other things getting these planets ready if the cat are just going to come just going to come and destroy us all hmm. so I, I guess i could see that but then i guess what i would expect is that once some of that threat is dealt with that there would then be time to do those things but then on the other hand it may be disappointing to have to wait till that end of, you know the late part of the game to do any of this stuff right so i guess i can understand the design the design decisions to do it this way it just it uh, it just feels weird yeah yeah exactly cuz i, I what I would think you would do is work on setting up some outpost, wake up some people who can fight mm, yeah. and, and defend those outposts while you're continuing to do science and all this stuff. And while you're out trying to fight the cat. Yeah. So next up, we are going to be fighting the cat. We are going to be hunting down the Archon. That is the next uh, priority ops mission. And I assume that'll be the one thing that we talk about next episode. I'm sure it'll be. Yeah, it'll definitely be the biggest one. Yeah. And maybe an update on romance. Maybe. There's always got to be an update on romance. Before we get out of here, let's go over our contact information. If you want to shoot us an email, you can do that at storyplayers at thedigitalmediazone.com or just use the contact form over at thedigitalmediazone.com. You can find us on Twitter at VG Storyplayers. Or if you just want to talk with me or Joe directly, I'm at Josh Pollard and Joe is at What Color Joe. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash VG story players. And then of course, guys, we really need you to subscribe. We've got episodes of Mass Effect Andromeda coming out every week and lots of other fun games coming your way too. So keep it subscribed, share it with your friends. And then if you could do us a big favor, we would really appreciate it. If you could head over to iTunes or Apple podcast and leave us a rating and a review. That's it for our fifth episode of our Mass Effect Andromeda series, and we'll be back for the sixth episode next week. Bye.